0: But you know what? I thought you were mysterious, like my mother, until it turned out the mysterious just made depressed, alright? Hard to reach. I mean, I'm dying here.
1: I don't like going out. You know that I get anxiety when I have to meet people. You know how hard that is.
0: Everything you touch turns to shit! Like King Midas' idiot brother.
2: Jesus. But if you two aren't the
1: biggest pair of fuck-ups I've ever met in my entire life...
3: Hello everyone and welcome back to Give Us a Second.
2: Uh minisode series.
3: Brought to you by your friends at the Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is our thirty-sixth Give Us a Second 2019 in review part three. We're talking about the Academy Awards, which by the time we release this yeah. will have been about a
2: week old. Almost feels anticlimactic at this point. Yeah, we point. jump in at the last yeah. second with our thoughts. Well, you know, kind of a wrench thrown in the plans this year. My annual Oscars party canceled this year as I unexpectedly had to travel for work. So that was, might have
3: been the end. As I yeah. said to you before I started recording, I might be done with the Oscars forever.
2: Yeah, and we'll see. I mean, I was watching it from a hotel room in Lubbock, Texas. So interesting experience. I don't think it would have been much better at my party this year. No couch at the house yet, so yeah, uh, that would have been a tough showing.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to give people the impression that I'm walking away from watching the Oscars because <laughs> Parasite 1, I think if you listen to Part Two, well, people you think know that now that it that was it. our it was my second favorite of the year. Sure, it's more just the whole thing in general it just seems so strange and silly now the ratings are at an all time low it seems like the world at large really doesn't care about the oscars other than film twitter and like the film media which covers it more than ever now and just the non stop like this should have been nominated Reasons that should have been nominated to be complaining mad. outrage yeah controversy Rejoicing as if the people themselves has anything to do with *Parasite*. Just the weird reactions to things. I don't know. I mean, I'm
2: losing my voice from screaming with joy. (laughs) It just seems
3: like the things that I truly care about are rarely nominated. And this was a a strange year in that my top three movies were all nominated for Best Picture, which usually doesn't happen. Yeah, I usually go off the map with like. A hereditary... Raw. Neon Demon, Raw. Yeah. (laughs) Those are usually my favorites of the year. This year was a little different. My favorite film of the year, as well as Matt's, won two Academy Awards. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood took home Best Supporting Actor for Brad Pitt and Best Production Design. I would have liked it to have won a few more.
2: Uh, Agreed, (laughs) including Best Picture for me, even though I I do like Parasite and I think it's cool that it won. I, I will say... And I guess this was kind of a foregone conclusion, it seemed like, leading up to the Oscars. Brad Pitt uh, winning Best Supporting Actor. Love the movie, love Brad Pitt in it, but I didn't really feel like he was having to flex his acting muscles too much for this He role. made that
3: joke at one point during his uh, many gloves. award yeah. wins uh, yeah, this season. one of them. Where he said, like, yeah, it was a big stretch, smoke pot, take my shirt off, not get along with the misses."
2: I mean, don't get me wrong. I I enjoy him in the movie, and I'm glad. It's kind of one of those things where I'm glad he, because I don't he hadn't won an Oscar before this, right? Not for acting. He actually won for Best Picture
3: for Twelve Years a Slave. I
2: thought wasn't he like a producer on Social Network or something, or was that something else? Twelve Years a Slave, which I just said, yeah, which
3: he won an Oscar for.
2: (laughs) Too busy interrupting a not-list thing. Sorry. For me to explain it. Yeah, and Social Network (laughs) didn't win Best Picture anyway. But I do want to say if you go back. Maybe he's part of the producers for that. His name might be in the credits for it. It might be, yeah. He's, with good, the Fincher he's really good friends connection. with Fincher. But yeah, certainly it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm happy to have Brad Pitt win an acting Oscar. It's kind of like you know Scorsese winning for The Departed. Well, I know where you're going with stuff.
3: this, and I'll just jump ahead and say, I feel the same way about Laura Dern with Marriage Story. Yes. I didn't really think that this, neither, either of the supporting acting awards were really like a definitive performance i love once upon a time in hollywood so i'm fine with Absolutely. that i'll yeah. go ahead and check that box and laura dern
2: is like the queen of my life i would rather have her been
3: nominated for little women or something like her part in marriage story was very strange to me it felt very flashy but not very substantive but maybe yeah, that's almost like, cartoony yeah maybe that was the
2: point i don't know well, obviously, the Ray Liotta character was like over-the-top cartoony as well. I was not on the Marriage
3: Story train, really. I didn't have it Me in my either. top ten, and it really wasn't even close. Uh, you and
2: I have talked about it. I just feel like Meyerwitz Stories was far yeah. and away such a better movie. I feel like didn't get the love
3: has made a lot of better movies oh, absolutely. than Marriage Story. Yeah. I would put that towards the bottom of his films that I've seen, actually. But people, for whatever reason, seem to like it. It just didn't really go anywhere during the award season it won one oscar which was for laura dern and i think that was it but the big movie of the night was parasite bong joon ho took home four academy awards in total the most anyone's won i think as one person one night since walt disney won four so that was exciting totally if you would have said a couple of days before the Oscars that that was going to happen, I would have said that was surprising. But when you actually watched the telecast and you could see where it the just momentum felt like was, it, was it going felt, that way. by the time they said Parasite at the end, it you did not feel surprising
2: at all. You knew that this translator chick was going to keep getting up there and talking. <laughs> they were going to keep bringing the entourage up. I believe her name's like Sharon Choi or something like
3: that. I could be wrong, but it was something like that. She yeah. really became one of the darlings of the awards season. Uh, just, end of our lives. Lives, really. I guess she's a writer-director herself, and wow. she's planning on r- making a movie about this award season. Okay. so I'm uh, We'll be it. seeing
2: that, probably at the Squirrel Hill Theater. But
3: yeah, she definitely was the light of my life over these last couple of months of knowing her
2: Yeah, at a through certain, the television. I, I don't know. At a certain point, it, it just felt like there wasn't a lot of fireworks to it. Just With it winning, I guess we're now calling it Best International Picture and not yes. Best Foreign Film right. anymore.
3: Foreign, well, it used to be a foreign language film. Okay, United, right. It's international. Yes.
2: So it won that, and
3: it's just sort of like okay. Well, when it won the screenplay award, that even more than best director, because I felt like best director might get split between him and Mendes as far as like best picture, best director, like with nineteen seventeen. But when he won the original screenplay over Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which would have probably right. been like the second most likely. That really to me said, okay, this is going to be a big night because if the writers got on that side of it and everyone was like on board with that, and it did win at the screen actors, but also won at the writing guild as well. So it had enough momentum to overtake the producers' guild, which had picked 1917. And so that's where probably a lot of those votes were going. I'd love to know how the voting broke down for uh, Best totally, Picture. Yeah. But people say that every year. I don't think they're ever going to release Do that Do you feel ever, like
2: so. within his own industry, Tarantino just rubs people the wrong way and they just don't want to vote for him for certain things?
3: It's interesting. I feel like it's possible that the Weinstein stuff affected his potential ability to win Best Director and maybe best picture this year though it does seem like there's support both ways with that i think people do like him who work with him and know yeah, him yeah right because right i mean we can well sure we can't try to figure out exactly who knew what and what he should have done and what who all kinds of people should have done with Weinstein but i oh, think yeah. at the end of the day i just think that tarantino cares so much about the movies and the movies only yeah that he's so not like a Harvey Weinstein. Oh, totally. That I just think that, like, when people actually work with him, they understand, like, his insane knowledge of passion. His biggest controversies that are directly related to him are a result of wanting to get the right shot. Like, the thing with Uma was a bad thing that happened that he definitely should not have been a part of, and he's to blame just as much as the producers and, and a lot of other people for uma getting hurt during the kill bill thing but yeah. that is not the is same it, shit as is like, it
2: not unlike what we talked about on this show of like how stanley kubrick was treating actors yeah, like, for like kubrick the shining
3: and, and hitchcock and other people would also act worse really yeah right but this was just a situation of putting somebody in danger just to get the shot that they wanted and i think that speaks to tarantino's desire to get the movie that he wants and it has nothing really to do with like the me too stuff or whatever
2: i think when i'm talking about this stuff forget any of the weinstein stuff i just feel like people think he's arrogant some of his speeches acceptance speeches before i feel like kind of
3: i don't know if that really had anything to do with people not voting for him i don't know who knows i think he's probably more liked within the industry than like than the people who tweet about this stuff and write about it on the internet probably
2: true yes
3: As far as commentators on Reddit, maybe people don't like him, but I think people in the industry
2: generally like him. I think I just I feel like I even remember going all the way back to Inglorious Bastards and being stunned that that didn't win Best Original Screenplay that year. Well,
3: he's won it twice. Okay, so that could play a part Django, I believe.
2: People just feel like, well,
3: you know, I think he would like like to win a third screenplay, but I don't know how many people have. Even like the most famous screenwriters, I don't know that they've won more than two. I mean, that's a lot. Sure. Yeah.
2: Okay. I'll go back to my case. Some people probably
3: felt like it was his time for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but things just didn't break that way. I said it before that if Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out later in the year, it would have had a stronger case, maybe. I just think that it.
2: Lost some juice.
3: It came out so long ago that 1917 moved in, and then. The people who were not into voting for 1917 all got swept up in the parasite thing and parasite just kind of got caught up in the momentum the true test is and i know that film twitter and all of the bloggers and the people the commentators on different things they all love parasite right now but the true test is how will people actually feel about parasite in a few years in a few months even I think people will like it. It's just like will it still be the
2: zeitgeist movie that it is now? And I, I think know. it probably will be. I it feels more on that side of things than others that have won.
3: Yeah. I think even other popular movies that have won though have stayed within the realm of just the the film Twitter nerds. Sure. You know, like Moonlight yeah. even. Right. Like I, d- I don't think most people have even seen that movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. If you polled 100 people at the mall right now, how many would have seen it? Like three? Out I was going to say like
2: 17, but yeah. <laughs> I'd say
3: three? I'm like at 3% <laughs> wow. of the population for that. Now, if you were polling people at a mall in like LA, then maybe it would be different. But there's certain movies that don't ever break out of the shell of like the award season, darling. Like even like The Hurt Locker. Like, oh, yeah. I think probably a lot of people probably rented that because it won Best Picture. But, I don't know, is it a beloved movie? Is it as beloved as, like, yeah, it Saving feels, Private uh, Ryan, which didn't now. even win Best Picture? Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't know. I do think that a lot of people will
2: check Parasite out. There's always a bump totally. for Best
3: Picture winner. But um, I just don't know if it'll it's become,
2: like, widely loved. going to be a criterion. I mean, that's enough for me. It will live on forever. Yeah,
3: he has a whole catalog of movies that people will probably start to get more into because Memories of Murder is also going to be on the Criterion Collection. I think Neon is going to actually release that in America, even though it's from like 2008 or something like that. It's kind of old at this point.
2: Listen, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but Parasite is a really fucking cool movie. There's a lot to it. Yeah, It's funny, it's dark, it's twisted.
3: As I said in our... Part two, I said most years that would be number one, and it would take a really special movie for me, and it was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood this year. Most years there's not going to be something that would knock Parasite out of number one. Sure. Because it was that original feeling. Um, Well,
2: for me, Uncut Gems could (laughs) have.
3: Well, Uncut Gems is very beloved, too, amongst a certain segment of the population. Losers, yeah. Can't stop talking about it. That shows you, to me, how little the Oscars actually mean that something like Uncut Gems would just go unrecognized completely. And it's funny how people cry and complain and bitch about Green Book winning or Uncut Gems not being nominated or no women being nominated for director or whatever. But then when Parasite wins, they're like, the Oscars are so great. It means right? so much. It's like whenever Arcade Fire won the Grammy for best album and all of a sudden Pitchfork is like celebrating as if the Grammys are like some great thing. And it's like, well normally you would just trash the Grammys and like who Seriously. cares about best album but then whenever something you like wins all of a sudden it means something <laughs> it's a really weird way yeah. of looking at it but i guess that's what everyone kind of does to a certain extent
2: What did you think of the overall presentation of just the show it was altogether boring. Yeah i don't really Unmemorable. like it Memorable very, it just felt very procedural. Like they're just rolling through it. There were it a couple of things funny like parts. It to me, it took things like Joaquin Phoenix having just like ridiculous acceptance <laughs> speeches to like make it feel even semi chaotic. I like over the years when it's run wildly over time. They're trying all these weird things well, that they like haven't done in past years. I think it
3: was supposed to be over at eleven. It went well, past sure, eleven thirty. I know, year. but it just
2: it didn't feel it didn't have that like off the rails feeling like we've had in so many other years. Which I, I kind of enjoy a little bit of Yeah, chaos we had with time for
3: an Eminem performance yeah, for totally. some reason that I really don't know. No understand. one really knows what that was about. It was truly hilarious though watching the random Hollywood people like pretend that they were cool and like they knew the words
2: and were like Does that make you cool?
3: I don't know. Knowing
2: you <laughs> <can> lose yourself.
3: <laughs> it seemed like they were trying to be cool. Yeah. There were a lot of people nodding their heads and like singing along okay. and being into it. It was very uh, strange to see.
2: Do you think we go back to having a host next year? Or we I stick hope so. With I this? think the, yeah.
3: the fact that the ratings were so low this year. They're going to have to shake it up. They're going to have to go back to a host. Because I think, for better or for worse, if a big segment of the population doesn't really care who wins and isn't that into the movies, then they might tune in because they think the host is funny or something. Yeah. But it's a tricky thing because they're not going to ever do anything like the Ricky Gervais at the Globes. Like They're not going to yeah. bring somebody out to roast And I everyone. think
2: people kind of turned on it, but I, I kind of enjoyed Kimmel. I thought he was a good fit.
3: Yeah, I think there's people that are good at it, and they can do some funny bits that keep you interested. I think it's the lack of humor throughout it. Now, I thought... Kristen Wiig and Maya Rudolph were kind of funny. and then Yeah,
2: well, I always loved Maya Rudolph.
3: Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Will Ferrell were funny. And at the beginning, you probably missed it. It was like Steve Martin and Chris Rock. Yeah, I it did miss that. It was kind of funny. Although a lot of the jokes about that were like, there seems to be one thing missing from our best directors. And then Chris Rock's like, a vagina. <laughs> you know, oh, like, boy. You're yeah. like, what? they're making jokes about this now. It's just like, <laughs> oh, God but without a host and without those special comedy things where they send somebody to a theater and they're like asking them about certain movies or they're bringing in tour groups through the I, fucking right. thing or yeah. whatever without that kind of stuff it does feel like very bone dry like very yeah. bare you're I just kind of like-, like well we're going to bring out this person to introduce the presenters who are they going to bring
2: up people it's like this russian doll <laughs> situation
3: yeah, it just goes on forever. It's very strange. So let's talk about best actor and best actress. As you touched on very quickly, jo- Joaquin Phoenix's speech was completely insane. I think like people are split. It does seem like some people like loved it, and I guess those people are vegans and
2: like really into animal okay, stuff. Okay, yeah.
3: When he started and was like we need to get together people fighting against racism and sexism I, you think and, it was like and an anti-trump thing gay rights and i was like okay and then like animal rights and i was like here we go oh, and boy. i knew yeah. right then what this speech was Morris-y, like because he's up like stage. he's been really pushing a lot of this stuff throughout the awards season they went vegan at the golden globes for like the meal that they served and all that stuff and okay yeah it's been like a whole thing with him who would have thought that inseminate A cow would be a phrase uttered during a speech. (laughs) Then he's quoting song lyrics that his
2: brother wrote. That was a little bit odd. And you're
3: like "Uh, okay. I
2: can never really fully get a feel for like what's going on with Joaquin Phoenix. Is he kind of a part of him that character he was portraying when Casey Affleck made the mockumentary of him being a rapper? I do feel like (laughs) there's something There's probably like a
3: certain part of him, yeah. It seems like he's really weird. I know, like him and River were like brought up in like a real like hippie yeah, yeah. way that was like really strange compared to like what regular people. But would he is be used um, to.
2: in a relationship with Rooney Mara, so it's hard to argue. Yeah, with, she's uh, like
3: she's a big vegan too. Yeah, uh, it seems like they fit together in that sense. <laughs> That's enough. <laughs> she seems like so small compared to him. Yeah. I know that he loses like... a lot of weight for, like, Joker, and you were never really here, but, like, his normal walking around weight, he looks like kind of a yeah, big guy. Yeah, he looked kind of on the puffy side. I feel like he... And then she's, like, maybe 15 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she looks like she would blow
2: away in a stiff breeze. Seriously. <laughs> but uh, they showed her in the audience. She looked good. <laughs> That's true. Yeah.
3: Yeah, I was entertained by the speech, even though I had eaten, like, two bacon cheeseburgers right. before the oscars <laughs> it's not like, like i was really jumping on the vegan train but i was amused by just the putting, whole thing like your
2: fist up like preach
3: renee zellweger as always is a treat you never know what I she's guess, talking yeah. about
2: for winning for some for a movie that like doesn't even exist yeah it was actually did fairly okay. well
3: and got good reviews, but it came out like in September or something. And since it came out, people were just like, "Well, Renee Zellweger's winning Best Actress," and it's pretty much just been a lock for the last like five or six. It months. was um,
2: streaming on the American Airlines app while I was flying. Went <laughs> right past that one. I was like, "Eh, I don't, I don't think I do not really see, see
3: you jumping into a Judy Garland biopic." Yeah.
2: I did watch on a plane when Natalie Portman was JFK's Jackie wife. Unances. Yeah, I, I did watch that on a plane.
3: Yeah, so. Nobody saw Judy in this room. No. But I've always been a Renee Zoegger fan. Sure. Yeah. We Ever talked since, about loving her since yeah, Empire Records. Really? This is her second Oscar she won previously supporting actress for Cold Mountain of all well, things. Not a Bridget Jones movie, I would have thought. No, I thought that maybe she had won for Chicago since that one best picture, but no, she mm, did not win yeah. for that. But this is her second Oscar, which is, puts her into a pretty exclusive club, I think. Okay. I yeah, think I'd so. say so. Yeah, I was happy for her. This wasn't really as strong of a year on the actress side. The actress side was very stacked. Even like Christian Bale ended up not getting nominated. Well. Even though he had been nominated at like the other award shows, and Adam Sandler didn't get nominated. Even yeah, though that He was... won the Indie Spirit the night before. Uh, yeah, that seems like an at oversight. The Indie, Indie Spirit awards was pretty funny. Okay, I didn't see it. <laughs> What were your honorable mentions for your top 10? I feel like we jumped over that. We didn't really get into it it very much um, in parts one and two.
2: I think it ended up being stuff that we talked about anyway, like Under the Silver Lake. I can't even remember what else I I put at this point. I might have it in my phone.
3: Yeah, I had mentioned Dolomite is my name and Joker were my two, but there were more. And I wanted to give a special shout-out to a movie that I toyed with putting on my list – Ultimately decided oh, yeah. to not count it, which was Climax, which we saw at the okay, beginning of Okay, I have that written year. down
2: too, yeah. So I just pulled mine out. I had written down, as my honorable mentions, A Hidden Life, which was in your top ten we talked about, Under the Silver Lake, The Lighthouse, and the Climax. Lighthouse, yeah,
3: we didn't really talk very much about The Lighthouse, which is a very strange movie. It seems like a lot of people love it. Some people hate it. Yeah. A lot of people, of course, didn't see
2: it. Again, I don't think that it was something that could land in my top 10 but it, it's something that it's certainly worth talking about it's kind of a fun movie to talk about it's like a two-person
3: version of the shining in a way but on a yeah. little island with a lighthouse on it's it.
2: definitely weird and disturbing and i mean there's a lot of cool elements to mermaid it. fucking yeah <laughs> that's the thing maybe something may, little too weird but who doesn't want to see willem dafoe and robert pattinson just being just completely strange isolated dudes with like a little bit of sexual tension, maybe even. <laughs> I think Defoe might have won the Indie
3: Spirit for Supporting Actor, possibly. But...
2: but yeah, I cut you off. We should talk about Climax a little bit. I know Climax were was a it... film
3: by Gaspar Noe that yeah. came out at the beginning of 2019 in America, but was hard really like a 2018 even. movie. Yeah, it's hard... a French movie.
2: We uh, saw it in the theater, but it's hard to even remember how far back that was.
3: We probably ended up seeing it, like, March yeah. of 2019. But it was a movie that had come out in other places in the world and stuff in 2018. Because it was, like, a, a can 2018 movie.
2: It's definitely a cool movie. The premise is insane, but supposedly based on, inspired by a semi-true story.
3: <laughs> well, it's definitely on the more normal side for Gasper Noe, whose yeah. movies include, like, Which is love pretty and crazy, irreversible yeah. and
2: stuff. That this is on the normal side.
3: Yeah, and I think it was, like, one of his more, like, mainstream and well-reviewed movies, which I think seemed to upset him, because it seems like him and Lars Van Trier are... Just, like, going for wild and... (laughs) In some sort of a competition with each other for who can offend people the most. Yeah, really,
2: who can be more
3: off-putting. Climax is really not offensive at all. No. There's some sex and nudity. There's, like, some violence. There was
2: actually less so than I was expecting. A
3: lot of drug material in it. And it's very trippy and weird, uh, and incest chaotic. featured
2: as well. So, well, yeah,
3: who doesn't like a little <laughs> bit of that? Yeah, it's definitely a movie that I need to rewatch because I haven't watched it since we saw it in the theater. But I just wanted to point it out. I think a lot of times I would have probably considered it in the top ten, but I gave myself an out to just be like, well, oh, this doesn't you. really yeah. count.
2: You've you've earned it. Yeah, <laughs> I'll also give
3: uh, an honorable mention to High Life. Another Robert Pattinson movie. I I, I
2: think I considered writing that down. Wow, talk about a strange wild ride. A lot of semen material. Yeah, semen. (laughs) Speaking of inseminating. Whatever that weird box was that they all go to on the ship. It's like
3: a masturbation box. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very strange space movie.
2: Robert Pattinson, he is just in like everything now. Yeah,
3: he's going to be in Tenet, and he's also the new Batman. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would give Hustlers another one of mine. You had that okay, in your top yep. ten. One of the things I thought was funny was like the people complaining that there were no women directors nominated, and someone was like, "If Hustlers was directed by Martin Scorsese, it would have been nominated for Here's... everything in one Best Picture." And I was like, "Well, if yeah, Hustlers was nominated by Martin Scorsese, it just would have been better." That, exactly. It's yeah, like I, I don't understand yeah. why these people think that any person, man or I, I woman, I think I could talked about in
2: it when we did. When we were going through our list, like watching Hustlers, maybe you want to watch Wolf of Wall Street. And when I watch Wolf of Wall Street, I'm like, you can see how clearly a better movie it is than Hustlers. And I say that with Hustlers being on my top 10 list. Yeah, it's just,
3: it's insane how little respect people have for like one of the greatest living filmmakers, if not the greatest living filmmaker, just to be like, this person. Lorraine Scafaria, who might have made like one other
2: movie or something. You yeah, who I like, by the in. way. And she's been more of a screenwriter, I think, historically. Yeah, just
3: this idea, though, that like anybody can do it. Oh, I know. And it's like, well, no. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why the greats are the greats and why they should be respected. And I don't really want to get into the whole women being nominated or not nominated thing again, <laughs> but okay, it's just, yeah. it's kind of exhausting. I, you've said your piece.
2: Maybe we should. Yeah.
3: The one thing that comes out of this, though, and this is what the main event of this particular part of our okay thing. we're building be the to takes, a climax yeah just the insufferable takes of everybody yeah really leading into the oscars coming out of the oscars one of the first things we thought about was how film twitter was going to react positively to the parasite win in so a way that would be annoying yeah, right. self-aggrandizing self-congratulatory uh, really? as if they had anything to do with it <laughs> As if th- – I know that. that's the Finally,
2: thing that- the movie that was the best picture won best well, picture. Well, this is
3: why they throw tantrums when things don't go their way. I know. Because they think that because of their articles and their stupid tweets and shit that that's why Parasite won. And so they do actually legitimately think it has something to do with them. Yeah. And then when and there's, then there's a <laughs> – a bucket of cold water thrown in their face when things don't go their way, like Joker doesn't get canceled and makes a billion dollars, or Green Book wins Best Picture, or whatever. Then they fucking cry about it like babies, because they don't actually have any control or power over these things. And no, Parasite winning is not a response to Green Book winning last year. Green Book won because it had the most votes, or whatever, however they tabulate with all of the ranking and all that shit. And the same thing is why Parasite won this year because it had the most votes or whatever. I guess there's I don't no response why it would be a to response. that. Yeah, they voted for who they wanted to vote for last year, and then they voted for who they wanted to vote for this year, and things shook out in a way that was favorable to the film Twitter nerds and all that stuff this time around, and now it's led to a million tweets with all these fucking dorks and their lists of. <laughs> korean films to check out as if they're an expert meanwhile it's some fucking jabroni who used to work at a blockbuster 12 years ago who lives in des moines it's That's like right. who fucking cares what you think by the way i would like are. to have that
2: person as a guest on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> ask him about the film scene in des moines. i saw
3: somebody that was was comparing this like rush to be like here's all these korean movies you should watch if you like parasite and it seemed to be like from a Korean woman that was like, well, it's kind of weird that you're just saying that these are all the same genre because oh, right. they're Korean. Yeah. As if, if you liked Moonlight, here's Avengers Endgame to check out because you like American <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't understand how they're even comparable. It's I, like, I don't know. I've seen some of these Korean movies. They're not really the same thing as Parasite. I mean, some are good, well, some are not as good. Even this
2: director has like a pretty diverse filmography in terms of Yeah, I mean I would start style. there
3: and maybe explore check out Memories of Murder and, and some of other, his other ones. I know like he's explored a bunch of different genres himself, but I don't know. And I mean, as I said to you before, I mean I do think that it's mostly coming from an excited place. Oh. So sure. like a yeah. good place. It's not it's not really like it's that bad or insidious, right. but it's it is kind of obnoxious. It's more just
2: like and we talk about it all the time how predictable all this stuff is and the way that people react to things i always go back to gone girl because i always feel like that was such a good funny satirical portrait of the way that people react to things and it's only gotten like worse since that time period it really is like so predictable you, like you just go through your feed and it's, and it's like these people like rejoicing and then you are always going to see the one that just like pops up right in the middle of this here's the reasons why parasite isn't actually a good movie <laughs> like, there's, like, an article like that, like, thrown yeah, in the I middle? Mean, yeah.
3: Yeah, there were definitely, like, the opposing takes right away, too. That's the thing that that exhausts me the most is just the idea of everybody's takes all the time. And just Seriously. these opinions that everyone has to get out there that are, really. some, you know, If whatever. everyone
2: just spent their time, like, talking about who was the hottest chick in 1998, why incest in movies is exciting and fun for everyone. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: There were more shows like this,
3: (laughs) so that's another year in the books. I feel like 2019 was a pretty strong year overall. Oh, agreed. Like most years, it takes a little time to get rolling, but by the end, there was a lot of good stuff. I feel like you probably haven't even seen like a lot of the good stuff.
2: Yeah, I still haven't seen Jojo Rabbit.
3: (laughs) Is that one of the good ones? Depends who you ask. That's a movie that's. Also, very divisive amongst the film Twitter people. There's a lot of people that really hate that movie. Okay. Which I liked it fine. Yeah. I don't know why people hate it so much. It's again, I guess they think that like depiction equals endorsement. So there's like Nazis in it. I don't know. Yeah. Or it makes light of it. I'm not really sure.
2: I mean, the big thing for me for this year or for 2019 will always be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I talked about it when we finished the top 10 list. Really had that magic f- feeling around movies that I haven't really felt in a long time.
3: There were a lot of people that jumped on the whole thing of when Parasite won at the Writers' Awards that they thought like Tarantino looked pissed or something. Yeah, and so they definitely were jumping all over it. People love to like, oh sure, jump all over Tarantino because they're mad that he basically taught America how to be cool with Pulp Fiction and even if they claim that they don't like any Tarantino movies, they're influenced by him in like a countless Absolutely. number of ways. yes. Like every filmmaker, every person that writes about film and thinks about film now.
2: Or writes screenplays now. And the
3: truth is, Tarantino loves Bong Joon-ho. Totally, yeah. He introduced Bong Joon-ho to a lot of people in America by playing his movies at the New Bev, by listing two of his movies including Memories of Murder which we've yeah. talked about and i think the other one was The Host this was pre Parasite in lots of his best of lists and really brought awareness to Bong Joon-ho in America which he did mention on stage yeah right during his acceptance speech for best director i believe where he talked about studying Scorsese's films in school but then he also name checked Tarantino and thanked him for introducing him to a lot of people in America oh yeah so this Dennis idea translator. that like Tarantino is against Bong Joon Ho or something or mad at him or whatever for winning, it's like, come on, grow up, people. Really? I'm sorry that your life is that sad that you have to find joy in <laughs> dumb shit like that. <laughs> that isn't even real. All, All right. right, yeah. Let's wrap it up. We're switching things up a little bit. This is coming out on the usual episode day, but we will have a new episode midweek upcoming. So we are still not even skipping a regular episode we've included yeah. all these little give us a seconds while still sticking to a regular Weaving schedule them in. that's right yeah uh, overloading everyone with content
2: here's to uh, a big 2020 in movies hopefully. we got new
3: Christopher nolan new wes anderson yeah fast and furious nine right and i mean you know <laughs> tons of good stuff
2: because this isn't just a movie podcast tv shows and music that come out this year that i'm sure we'll do episodes about Do you think we're going to do episodes about music that comes out? No, uh, no. this is totally just a movie podcast, despite (laughs) our efforts to do other things at times. Well, we'll throw some TV in there, but it's not going to be 2020 TV, probably. Okay.
3: Well, who knows. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening. Follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and Podbean. We will talk to you soon.
1: I like and I was at the end.
0: sums up a comedian who's also a drug addict. All right. 2006, William Shatner roast Comedy Central, right? Gerardo was just hitting with the roast. He was getting to be a big deal, but I had partied with him a couple of times and, you know, we both had the same problem. So uh, we were the only two guys coming from New York City to do the Shatner roast. This was 06 for Comedy Central. So I'm at the JFK first class lounge waiting for my plane. And I know Greg is supposed to be on the plane. He shows up five minutes before the plane takes off and he goes, "Hardy man, he like hugs me, sweating, he goes, I'm tweaking like he was on taking amphetamines. So I go, he goes, I'm not getting on a plane. I go, dude, you're you're like the best guy at these roasts now. You have to get on a plane. This is your career. And he goes, I can't get on a plane. I go, you have to get on a fucking plane. So I had all this Vicodin I smuggled under my sock. I said, take a couple of Vicodin and have a beer. So I got him a beer and he started to calm down a little bit. I literally held his hand, okay? I held his hand and got him on a plane. I changed my seat to sit next to him. He was too paranoid to go to the fucking bathroom. So I would guard the bathroom so no one could come in. And I, I, we get to L.A. Now we got to go to a dress rehearsal at CBS Radford. Farrah Fawcett was on that roast. So now he's still f- freaking out, paranoid. And he, he, want, he goes, I'm going to hug Farrah Fawcett. I go, you can't go near Farrah Fawcett. <laughs> <laughs> I go, not only is your career going to be over. He goes, I'm going to hug Farrah. I have to kiss her. I go. Oh, she was Jesus. two feet from us. I go. You can't kiss Fawcett. Farrah Farrah. <laughs> <laughs> I go. Great. You can't kiss. Farrah. Like I go. You're gonna get arrested. <sighs> I go. No, your career's gonna be over, and you're gonna be arrested for sexually assaulting Fawcett on amphetamines. So I go. You just gotta calm the fuck down. We get to the dress rehearsal, and he goes, "Please don't tell anybody." And now I've been there, so I know what he's. Doing. So I go. I want. So we go back to the hotel. I I leave my room. I sit by him like Florence fucking Nightingale. I'm giving him like hot compresses and shit. The morning, the next morning, the uh, uh, car's coming to get us to take us to the show at noon. And he comes out of it. He comes out of the bathroom. He goes, I, I think I am I came down. He hugs me. He's crying. He goes, thank you so much. I go, dude, you would have done the same thing for me. Okay, so now we go to the roast. He's the first roaster up. First thing he says. He goes, Artie Lang's here. How about a hand for Artie Lang? And everybody applauds. He looks at me. He goes, look at you, Artie. You fat fucking drug addict. <laughs>